go on the five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Need to Know About Music, where you get to learn everything you need to know about music from the perspective of a 20-something-year-old. That is you. And a 40-something-year-old. And that is me. That is you. All right, so here we go. Episode one of season one. This is the first ever one, except for, really, this is the last episode we recorded. Yeah, let's let everybody in on the little secret. So, basically, I'll let you explain it. Well, we decided to do this backwards. We decided to do all of the individual series, or all of the individual, sorry, episodes that follows before we actually did the first episode, which is this one. So this one's actually being recorded last. And the reason we decided to do that is because we kind of wanted to give all the secrets away of the podcast right here at the beginning and say, look, all of these were chosen purposefully because of kind of how they all connect together. What we wanted to show first off was that all music is connected. You might say, how would someone like Bobby Darren, for example, who was a jazz crooner from the 50s and 60s, be related to someone like Kanye West or the Allman Brothers? Or how someone like Jimmy Buffett, who's what, the boat music master? he's the boat man. How would he be connected to, let's say, Aretha Franklin, who's the queen of soul? But they are connected. Oddly. I mean, you brought this all to my attention. I would have probably never pieced it together, but now after we've talked about it a bunch, it, it works seamlessly. Yeah. Or say Led Zeppelin, for example, one of the biggest rock bands, one of the most powerful drummers, how could they be related to someone like, let's say, Dr. Dre? But they are. Yeah, they but are. before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about us. So we're recording this in Florida, the Tampa Bay area. Here we go. The Gunshine State. <laughs> and we're doing it from a, a, a little place, a little house, where we got some mics set up and, and our little computer room and everything. And we just decided, look. Don't downplay it. This is pretty professional. All right. Well, for us it is. But look, we're just two guys that like music. We like a different generation of music. And that's how this whole thing started. Because when we first started talking about music, it was how it really related to just our lives. And I didn't really listen to or like the artists that you listen to. Yeah. And vice versa. But as we really started talking, we realized, wait a minute, we kind of like the same stuff for the same reasons, but we really didn't know about each other's music. So was, you, as like a millennial... started off as us teaching each other yeah. about our music taste, which right. intertwined a strange amount. It, it, oddly, it really did. It really did. So, of, of course, Cam, who's the 20-something who's the millennial, said, we should do a podcast. And I said, why would we do a podcast? (laughs) It's it's really cool stuff for me to hear about what you have to say. And then I think I like to give some fun opinions about this type of music that maybe not everyone else would see, maybe. Absolutely. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about this series. Because in this podcast, you'll see how certain things like the California sound of the Beach Boys is connected to the British invasion sound of the Beatles. But how are they connected? How could Pet Sounds, for example, be connected to an album like Sgt. Pepper's? And how it really was in a way for these two bands, who are literally thousands of miles apart, to actually communicate and kind of almost talk to each other in a spirited uh, kind of competition sort of way. We'll also discuss some of the things like um, the power and the soul and the blues of Aretha Franklin and how at the same time it's the same kind of rock blues, at, like of the Allman Brothers. 
I mean, for example, like you're going to learn that Dwayne Allman, who's the played the slide guitar, uh, he he was on Aretha's song "The Weight," and she actually requested him personally. And at the same album, she did this, uh, which is called "This Girl's in Love with You." She actually recorded songs by the Beatles. She did "Let It Be." She also did Eleanor Rigby. All this stuff is connected. See, these are little things that are fun to me. Like I would have never known that, or like. Like, I wouldn't even bother to think that it was anybody other than just, oh, yeah, it's yeah, just Aretha Franklin's she, dude. She asked, she goes, who's, who's that white boy that plays a slide guitar down in, in Alabama? I want that guy. And where did they record it? Muscle, Muscle Shoals, Shoals, Alabama. This famous, iconic, almost like magical, surreal recording place in Backwater, Alabama, which roughly has like 13,000 people in it, right off the Tennessee River, has hosted and recorded so many of these seemingly Unrelated stars. Uh, this and this is a place that I had never heard of. Right. Didn't know anything about. Only to come to find out that it's all of these people that I really like: Jimmy Buffett, uh, with Coconut Telegraph, Eric Clapton, Paul Simon, right, bunch of guys. And you wouldn't think like the Almond Brothers and Aretha Franklin would be connected, but they are through one of the producers, who is this guy Jerry Wexler, who also was the mm-hmm. producer of. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. So we talk about all these guys that are seemingly unrelated, but the truth is all music is connected. All music is connected. Any genre. Any genre. You can literally go any direction you want. You can go to all these new modern rappers that you can't really understand all the way back to Bobby Darren. Right. All intertwined in a weird way. We'll talk a little bit about Marvin Gaye, who's, we talk, you know, he's the Prince of Soul and the star of Motown Records, and how important he was to the whole Motown movement and the changes that came through from making just, you know, love songs to politically social and justice-style music that were so meaningful, deep R&B soul music. Who also recorded on that Motown label? Bobby Darin. So Bobby Darin made iconic songs like, you know, like jazzy Sinatra-style songs like Mac the Knife, who, which happened to be about a cold-blooded killer, but yet it's got this upswinging, like kind of Sinatra style tempo. Who else puts together two seemingly unrelated styles of music and shockingly blends them? Kanye West. Yeezy. Your boy. So there's so many things that even when we look back, and if I may be fair, you know, you kind of make fun a little bit of that 50s sound just some, because some it's so old. old. Some of it's old. But yet what they were doing then is not that different to what they're doing now. No. No, you're honestly right. We also talk a little bit about Simon and Garfunkel and some of their powerful street life poetry. And who else is doing that now? Ken, your boy Kendrick Lamar. By yep. the way, the Pulitzer Prize winning Kendrick Lamar. I don't know if you knew that one. For poetry. Isn't that insane? Yeah, he raps about the social setting that he's in, all the troubles that are going on, murder, social injustice, things of that nature. Which is not unlike what Simon and Garfunkel were doing with their poetry. Uh, you know, back in the 60s, back in what was going on with this unbelievable counterculture movement and this hippie movement from the mid-60s. Yeah, and you never think you could relate, like, hippies and not wanting to be in the war to ghetto-filled, like, gang violence out of Compton. Right, right. So that's a little bit about what this series is going to do as you move forward through it. You're going to see some of these artists that aren't necessarily related from two totally different generations if not three, really, because we go back 50, 60 years on some of this stuff. But when you really look through it, there's a thread, there's a common theme that runs through all of this. And the, what we thought we would do for season one, episode one, is dig into a little bit about 
the birth and the creation of hip hop. This is one of the this is one of the coolest not a conspiracy theory, but this is one of the coolest music theories yeah. I've ever heard. So the name <laughs> of this is gonna be how Robert F. Kennedy is responsible for hip hop music. <laughs> and yeah. that's a stretch, right? I mean that's that's a big one. But I think after hearing this, you'll understand why we we say that. So in nineteen sixty three, President JFK gets assassinated. Rip. In February of nineteen sixty five, Malcolm X gets assassinated. Double rip. In April of nineteen sixty eight, Martin Luther King gets assassinated. Sad. And then June of nineteen sixty eight, Robert F. Kennedy gets assassinated. Now, he was at this ballroom at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California. And he was making basically his acceptance speech for the nomination of running for president. And as he exited through the rear ballroom, leaving through the kitchen, he left and he greeted some kitchen workers shaking their hands and stuff like that. And in the crowd, there was a 24-year-old man named Sirhan B. Sirhan, and he shot Robert Kennedy in the head at really close range. The doctors did all they could, but Kennedy died the next day. Now, the reason we bring this up is because two people are integral to this this whole story. Number one is this guy named Roosevelt Greer, named Rosie Greer, an ex-football player who stood 6'5", and was like 280 pounds, and he actually was the bodyguard to the Kennedy family. The second guy is his roommate named Michael Wiener. Michael Wiener was an English major from Harvard University and was just enamored with politics and especially Robert F. Kennedy. So he wanted to be on his campaign. So these two guys, as they traveled around, were roommates. Rosie Greer, this humongous six foot five black guy, and this tiny little, this tiny little dude named Michael Wiener, they're roommates and best buddies. Okay? After Robert F. Kennedy dies in 1968, they don't know what to do with themselves. Like, they're they're no to- they're totally just busted. They don't they don't know what to do. So Rosie Greer is actually the guy who twisted, twists the gun away from the hands of Sirhan B. Sirhan. Like, he's the guy that actually tackled him to the ground and took the gun away from him. So it's pretty crazy. Mm. So, in not, so let's fast forward the clock a little bit. Greer enters into showbiz. Because of his large stature, he was just great for some of these kind of B-movies. Do you know about B-movies? Yeah, it's like low-budget films, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, right. And he was he was good, but it was just they were made more for like the fun of it. Michael Wiener gets into the music business, and he works for a division of MGM. So in 1972, so they fast forward the clock a little bit. They they go their separate ways. But Rosie Greer is cast in this B movie called The Thing with Two Heads. Sounds great. Sounds now, like a really good movie. Yeah, right. Starring him and this guy, Ray Milland, who was an old, like, 50s actor. And it's this science fiction film about a white racist, played by Ray Milland, who wakes up after this accident and finds himself having a second head of this black guy. A I'm black sorry, convict. What? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's, I'm out. That's good. So, Roger Ebert gave this one star and said that the movie should never have been made. Sounds terrible. <laughs> he also said that the movie watchers that should be provided with hot coffee so that they don't doze off. <laughs> like it was a terrible movie. I could have told you that. Yeah. Okay. So 
During the production of the film, Rosie Greer realized that they need sound and like, not sound, music in the mm-hmm. background. So what does he do? He calls his longtime friend and roommate, Michael Wiener, and goes, hey, buddy, can you help me out? I just need some... Because we don't have any money, We right? don't have any money, yeah, have any and money. we just need some music. Like, we need some sound. So they knew he was on a really, really, really tight budget. So what Wiener would do is during the downtime in the studio, he would get all of these, like, studio musicians to just come in and play... Just random songs, like nothing crazy, like just weird stuff. But because he worked at MGM, the people that he had access to were actually phenomenal session musicians. And it is said that some of the people that were there even helping him with some of the engineering are dudes like John Lennon, like amazing, amazing talent because they were just there just screwing around. So Wiener chooses like upbeat instrumental music, like... um. Inagata Devita, and oh. he chewed, which, which I don't know if you know, was made popular by a, a group in 1968 called Iron Butterfly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, that one. but the other one that he chooses was a song by The Shadows. And I, you're, I know you're not going to know the song, but it goes like this. And you may have heard it before once or twice. One of the rockinest songs for a guitar, for the era. Yeah, this is. They decide to do this. You so you have her, yeah, of course. Oh, all right. Okay, cool. So, one of the musicians that he's able to use is this guy named Jim Gordon. Now, Jim Gordon might be one of the best session drummers ever, and we talked about him because he was the he was the lead drummer for Derek and the Dominoes behind mm-hmm. Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. He is also responsible for writing the piano solo at the end of Layla. Interesting. You know that piano solo that I'm talking about? Yeah, Yeah, okay. He's the one that wrote it. Another musician that he uses is this guy named King Arison. This guy who was born in the Bahamas, he was a bongo player who actually backed up Marvin Gaye and was Neil Diamond's bongo player for like 35 years. So he gets Jim Gordon on drums and then this guy, King Arison, on the bongos and they redo these songs. So here's their version of Apache. And it's heavy percussion-based music that's just really easy to make, and they call themselves the Incredible Bongo Band. Directly or indirectly, everyone heard this song. Exactly. Everybody in the world. Everybody in the world. So, they come out with this song, they come out with the album, which is called Bongo Rock, (laughs) and... It, it doesn't sell. Like, it sits on the shelves. Nobody's buying this thing. I mean, remember, this was meant to be this soundtrack for this movie that was just a B movie, right? This was just done for fun, just to fill the space for for the movie. So let's fast forward the clock now. Let's get into it. Let's really get into where how does this ever relate to hip hop? So in the early 1980s and 2,500 miles away, we got to go to Bronx, New York, and a man named Clive Campbell, who's known as DJ Cool Herc. DJ Cool Herc is basically the godfather. If there's anything bigger than the godfather, we'll give him that moniker of hip-hop. If it wasn't for what he did with the crate digging, this song would have never been found, and thus... 
actually sampling and looping the way that he did. Why don't Why don't we talk a little bit about sampling? Why don't we Why don't we oh, really let me do this? Yeah, okay. Why don't we really get into that so that people can understand what this guy did? Because you're talking now. This thing disappeared for roughly a decade, and then what happened? Let's I'll explain re- sampling. Yeah, let's really then talk about sampling. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to be a crate digger, which is what DJ Cool Herc was? So sampling is like one of the things that really made me fall in love with hip hop. Just the fact that you could tell that it wasn't just a bunch of dudes playing instruments. It was something different. I mean, they would literally take parts or just honestly the whole song of an older song that they heard on a vinyl record when they were young or that they just heard in a record store and they'd cut out bits and pieces that they like, throw it over some drums and have somebody rap over it. So they'd take an old song. Right. And turn it into an entirely new song, whether that be like reviving a popular song or taking a song that most people have never heard and turning it into a different song. Right. I'll give you some examples of some samples okay. that I think obviously you'll probably know and then I think a bunch of other people will. Okay. So All what right. I'm going to do is I'm going to play the original song first. Yeah. And then I'm going to play a song that samples it. Yeah. So see if you can okay. pick out any of these before. Okay. All right, so this is... I'm not even going to tell you what no, it is. No, don't. Just first. go blind. All right. <laughs> All right, so this is I'm Coming Out, Diana yeah, Ross. Yeah, Diana Ross. I know this song, of course. I know where you're going to go because I'm such a Biggie fan, right? Yeah. All right, all right. All right, let it play. Let it play for a second because it's such a great... Such a great beginning. All right, guys. All right, all right. So you hear that. You know that song. Biggie, you ruined this one, but I'll just, I'll play that for you. Alright, so obviously you know it's Biggie, so great. Literally just the same song, just through drums and everything. Slow to just a bit, it's awesome. Alright, go, give me another one. under So you know this? You know where this one's going? I, oh, I, I, I got it. Yes, I do. I got to be honest. All right. Just straight. Yes. So crazy right now. Most incredibly. This is a huge song. People here, they probably will never know. I mean, just straight rips. Yep. Now, I'll, I'll stop real quick. Whenever I used to hear these samples before I realized that it was sampling like when i first heard it i was like this is incredible this is live music but i know it's not live music like what's going on right and i think a lot of people who don't really dig too deep into music like this don't recognize that so many popular songs that they hear and think oh yeah that's that song are really another song sure. that that artist just ripped and, and made so their much own. of hip-hop not is ripped, built but made on their that own. and it's 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 not it's not that they're stealing it. It's that no. they're taking something that they either grew up with or were influenced by and making it theirs. It, it's, it's like a, they're taking a piece of something that meant a lot to them or, or, or they came up with, and they're putting their own little spin All on. right, let me give you some more. All right, go. You'll know this one, of course, too. But this is Between the Sheets by Eyes and Brothers. That's such a good song. Jump right to 
boy Biggie. I know. That's so good. Literally, just like almost a straight rip. Straight rip. This next one's pretty good. Move on up, Kurt's man. Yep. It's your boy. Yep. Popular old song. Many people in my generation are going to hear that song and think. Kanyezy. I gotta testify. Okay. Come up in the like spot looking extra fly. Hard out this For the day good. I die. Loop it. They don't just I'm take the whole song. Right. Right. So right. Do it again. Gotta testify. Come up so in the spot good. looking extra fly. Okay. Yeah, this is a great one. I love this song. The original. You know what's funny is we started talking about this song. This is one of those songs that you knew as the new song and I knew as the old song. We were like, we got to talk about this, and now it's on the podcast. This is kind of how it all started right here. No, it's really funny. We yeah. first hung out outside of work yeah. the first ever time. We like had this thing where I'd play a song and be like, oh, I'll play the original. We yeah. went back and forth, yeah. and that's when the sample got really All right, give me, give, me, give me the ghetto, boys. I sit alone in my four corner Again, just a straight Alright, so pause that for a second. So those are all pretty easy because they're straight rips. Like they're just they literally took the exact background and then looped it and then did yeah. something on top of it. This is where it, okay, so that's like basic sampling. That was a lot of the older music. Like right. you get in the nineties and stuff and you really hear they just would like rip a song and then throw some drums on it. Right. As you get further into production and people have already sampled a bunch of songs and then it's just getting kind of not unoriginal but you need a little bit more yeah they start taking little pieces yeah so give me some of the like more clever ones like the deeper digs like Like these are the ones that people probably won't pick out until you play it for them so this is pyt pretty young thing by Uh, michael Michael jackson Jackson. okay you you gotta focus on this you gotta listen to each part okay Now I'm going to play you the one that's popularized now. And people are going to hear this and go, whoa. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. Yeah. I get to shine. Now throw your hands so up in the sky. Go for mine. I get to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. Kind of a deep oh, one. Oh, it's great. I mean, you'd have to be listening to that and hear, wait, what? It, hold on. Yeah. It's slowed. Yep. And it's just that one part. It's not the whole song. Wow. All right. And so this next one. Is this a house is not a home by one of my favorite Luther, Luther songs? Oh, one of my favorites. Yep, oh, I know what you're gonna do here too. Are you gonna be? Say you're gonna be. Are you gonna be? Say you're gonna be. Are you gonna be? Say you're gonna be. Well, 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 well. Give me the Kanye again. Kanye is so good at this. So Kanye is really good at going crate digging and picking like he little really pieces. Is. And and he's what makes him so good is they're not like the popular part no. of the song. He takes like a part that isn't the uh yeah. like isn't the pinnacle yeah, of the It's not the, the hook, it's song. not the, it's yeah. not the most known part. It, in fact, it's some of his best ones are the ones you would never find. You'd never know it. All right, this is uh Grandma's Hands by Bill Withers. Oh, yeah. This one's a little bit more of a straight rip. It is. But But when you let this play, it goes away. Watch. Grandma's hands. So what did Dre do? What did Dre do? He just took that first. He just looped it. 
you know what? Literally uh, just loops it. I like and again, it. throws his drums on it. No dickity. No dickity. was so good. So good. I can right, right, give him one more. Go deep. Go deep. Oh, yeah. This one's kind of easy. This is uh, Woman to Woman by yeah, Joe Cocker. Yeah. Who? Think about this. Dre's listening to Joe Cocker pulling this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. and then obviously, right, give me the, yeah, give me the, yeah. <laughs> so good. Just adds a little twist to it. All right, give me, give me, give me another one. Go deep. All right, this is through the fire. Yo, G, it can't stop me from rapping, can it? Can it hop? He is so good. I spit it through the wire, man. All right, go deep. So give, me, right. give me the, give me ones that you would, I wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Like right, really so deep, deep, tough ones. Again, really, Kanye West is just so good at this. Okay. So I'm gonna give you another Kanye one, but the this is from, this is Ammonia Avenue. Okay. From the Alan Parsons Project. Okay. Oh. Okay, and I know the Alan Parsons Project. I don't know if you know the Alan Parsons Project all that well. I mean, they are a very advanced group that are like really odd out there. I mean, really great musical talents, but I mean, their their music is like eclectic. Their music is advanced. Let's call it advanced. Like this is not stuff you'd listen on the radio and be like, "This is a great dance track." I mean, it's it's heavy adult music. This is uh, this one too is really uh, impressive because it is so. Minute what he takes out of there okay. and uses that you probably would not like. I don't think many people would catch this one at all because it's it's a. I'll go one step small. further. I don't know how many people even know this band, let alone this track. Right, like Ammonia Avenue. Okay, right. All right. Let's listen. I don't, I don't. Exactly what that is when you hear it now. Yeah, golly. How could you be so heartless? How could you be so cold? I remember when this song came out and I heard this the first time. I was like, this is Little, little did I know it was just from a really old song right after a break. I mean, so cool, so cool. All right, um, hit me again. I can do this all night. Give me one more. No, I don't know this one. Why can't we live together? Timmy Thomas. Wait. Okay. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. Sped up. <laughs> you used to call me on my. Literally. Dude. You Just used wait. to. You I mean, used to. That's crazy. All right, that's a good one. That's deep. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the organ. You used to call me on my cell phone. Again, like one of the most popular songs of the past five years is literally just a sped up version. Great, that's a great dig. That's a drums for Drake over it. You got one more? Yeah, I got another for you. Give me one. Give me one more. All right, I got one more for you. All right. This might be hard. Yeah. Come on. Right, yeah, 
guys are. But... Um, you know what? Wow, that's the break. So, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, play, play it. I know what you're gonna play you now. Obviously, yeah. But, but we gotta, we gotta go back. Yeah. I mean, but we got to stop there for a second because let's talk about that. Let's talk about her because she was affiliated with James Brown. And we got to talk about James Brown because it really Collins, Lynn Collins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's part of the JBs, the James Brown band. And so James Brown is really important to hip hop because of the breaks. So there were parts of songs. We got to talk about the breaks because that's where a lot of these samples kind of come from. In the song, let's say it was a three, three and a half minute song, there would be this part, maybe two thirds of the way into songs in the late 60s and early 70s, that the, everything would go away except for the drums and the bass. And the drums and the bass would have their own little time for like 15, 20, 25 seconds, and they would just break it down, and they would just have this break beat. And DJs would take this break beat, and they would take it on a record player, and if you've ever seen a DJ's two turntables, they'd have two different records. They have an A and a B, or a one and a two. And what they would do is they would have the same record on each side, and they would have the break beat on one playing, and the second, same exact break beat on the second one queued up. When the break beat would end on the one, they'd flip it to the two, and then the two would start playing, and they'd rewind the one. So it would keep playing the same thing over and over and over again. And then what would happen is you'd have these rappers rapping on top of that breakbeat. Now, because James Brown was so popular, they would use a lot of James Brown breakbeats. So one of them is this one. The funky drummer. And they would take these beats and it's like, okay, and we'll just loop it. And then they'd come in again and they would do it again. And this is what Apache was to DJ Cool Herc. So let's bring it all the way back to Apache, which, by the way, for DJ Cool Herc, you've got to give him his credit for even finding this album. Think about it. Think about how it was created, why it was created, and where it sat for so long. You've got a bunch of these white guys in a studio just redoing, except for King Harrison, just redoing these old shadows and 60s with songs with bongos and drums. And he finds the most important break beat ever. And here it is, two minutes and 10 seconds into the incredible bongo band. And it just breaks. And he decides to loop it and does exactly on the one and the two. And he just takes it and keeps going. And what rappers would do is they would rap on top of it. And you'd have these gangs kind of going back and forth, talking about how cool they are. And here's the break beat. And you've heard it, what, a thousand times? Whether you know it or not. That dun, 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 is just memorable. It's meaningful. It, it just it just That's resonates. Like hip hop drums. It, it is, and it's it's that same seven beat count. One two three. One two three four. It's just the way that for some reason our brains just work. We just like things like that. It's the reason that phone numbers are seven numbers. It just works that way. Our brains like that kind of patterning, 
And they do with just drums and bass. And they keep looping it and looping it. And you'd have, I don't know if you've ever seen well, play like... Me, play me one of these songs. Have, oh, okay. Have, wait, first off, before we, before we do that, have you ever seen old DJs kind of doing this like back in the early 80s? Like, have you ever actually seen that? Yes, of course. Like, all right, check this out. Let me play this for you. This is Cool Modi. And they would do rap battles. And, and this is this is what they would do. This is exactly what they would do. They'd get up there and they would just talk about the other crews and how whack they were. This is how it was. This is how parties were. It was all about the DJ and the DJ would play beats and then you had to come up with rhymes about why your crew was way better than their crew. If you was money, man, you'd be counterfeit. I gotta give it to you though you can rhyme. But everybody know you're on the furious dock. And I remember busy from the olden times when my man Tooney used to and this sell is what your DJ rhyme. Cool heard remember that rhyme called Diddy Bar Diddy? Man, goddamn, that shit was a pity. Alright, so that, that that's how that worked. So uh, the, so the Incredible Bongo Band is credited with the most important breakbeat, the most samples. It has been sampled more times than any other song in music history. I mean, it has over 400 different credits, but it's got thousands that are uncredited because there's so many songs that use that same seven-beat sample. But how do you say that it really came from them? I mean, you've got... Sugar Hill Gang, you've got Jay Z, you've got Kanye West, MC Hammer, The Roots, LL Cool J, CNC Music Factory, Nas. Nas. I mean, let me give you Nas. Look at look look at Nas's. Listen to bongos. That's that's the incredible bongo band right there. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Grandmaster Flash. I mean, it goes on and on. I, it, there's so many people that use that same exact breakbeat. So let's. Let's go. Let's 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 go here and say that ha, made you look. If it weren't for Robert F. Kennedy running for president in 1968 and sadly being shot, Rosie Greer and Michael Weiner would never have made Bongo Rock for the thing with two heads, and thus DJ Cool Herc would have never found that album digging through beats. And I don't think we would have hip hop quite the same if it wasn't for that moment. When I heard you tell me this the first time, honestly, this was kind of like what made me go, okay, we got to we gotta put this down somewhere. When I first heard this, I was like, what? Hold on. And then I took a couple minutes to think and thought, butterfly effect on that is yeah, so real. It really would not have happened. I mean, you've got... Because that is the track that started hip-hop. Yeah. And, and that is the track that came from those two dudes having to find new jobs because yeah. Kennedy got assassinated. Which is insane. And you've got, I mean, Jim Gordon who's the drummer on that track, who's the drummer for Derek and the Dominoes, who, I mean, when we talk about the blues, when we talk about the Allman Brothers, we talk about how blues really has a way of finding its way into real life. I mean, talk about, I mean, sadly, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 1983. He actually shot, and sorry, he killed his own mother with a hammer. He's still in jail to this day. Like, That's kind of messed it's up. unbelievable. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, Rob, how about this? Bobby Darren was actually in the audience at the time that Robert F. Kennedy was shot. I mean, there's a ton of ties through all of this, which is pretty incredible. That's insane. What we wanted to do with this series was show how all of these artists who are seemingly unrelated are actually all connected because all of music is connected. All of music has influences that keep building upon each other. And as you go through these episodes, you'll start to see that. But we wanted to show you up front 
in the first episode, which is really the last episode, kind of how that works. And we do it in a way too. So the way we set it up was we don't tell each other what we're going to talk about that day until we do it. So, right. and it's basically just us teaching each other stuff. Like you teaching me about John Bonham and, and Led Zeppelin and all that, that I would have no clue anything about had you not told me and me teaching you about and the likewise. best genre ever and you not knowing a lot right. of stuff about I, it. I would never have known the story of Kendrick Lamar and his dad. And you know, I, I'm just saying, I would never have known that if it wasn't for, and those things and how they're all related and connected is pretty beautiful. So let's leave it there. Hope you guys enjoy the series and um, we'll, we'll see you soon.